Act Two of The Magnificent Lovers by Moliere. Translated by Charles Heron Wall, 1836 1905. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene One Urfiel Cleonice. This is admirable. I do not think any dancing could ever be better and i am glad to have them belonging to me and i am very glad madam for you to see that my taste is not so bad as you thought do not be so triumphant you won't be long before giving me my revenge leave me alone here scene two erfiel cleonice clitidus cleonice going to meet clitidus i warn you clitidus that the princess wishes to be alone leave that to me I understand court etiquette. Scene three. Eraphiel, Clitidus. Clitidus singing. La, 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 la. Affecting surprise on seeing Eraphiel. Ah! Eraphiel to Clitidus, who affects to go away. Clotidus. I did not see you, madam. Come near. Where have you been? With the princess, your mother who was just going toward the temple of apollo accompanied by a great many people do you not think this one of the most charming places in the world certainly the two princes your lovers were there the river peneus has here the most charming windings very charming so stratus was there also how is it that he was not with us to-day he has something on his mind which prevents him from taking any pleasure in all these beautiful entertainments he wanted to tell me something but you have so expressly forbidden me to intercede for any one to you that i would not hear him and i told him flatly that i had no leisure you were wrong to say such a thing to him and you ought to have heard him i told him at first that i was not at leisure to hear him but afterwards I listened to what he had to say. You did well. In fact, he is a man after my own heart, a man with all the manners and qualities I should like to see in all men. He never assumes boisterous manners and provoking tones of voice, but is prudent and careful in everything. He never speaks but to the point, is never hasty in his decisions, is never annoying by his exaggerations however fine may be the verses our poets repeat to him i have never heard him say that is more beautiful than anything that homer ever wrote in short he is a man to my taste and if i were a princess i would not see him unhappy he is evidently a man of great merit but what had he to say to you he asked me if you were very pleased with the royal entertainments that are offered to you he spoke of your person with the greatest transports of delight, extolled you to the sky, and gave you all the praises that could be given to the most accomplished princess in the world, and with all this, uttering many sighs which told me more than he thought. At last, by dint of questioning him in all kinds of ways, and pressing him to tell me the cause of his melancholy, which is noticed by everyone at court, he was forced to acknowledge that he is in love how in love what boldness is this i will never see him again what are you offended at madam 
to be audacious enough to love me and moreover to dare to say it it is not with you he is in love madam not with me no he has too much respect for you and he is too wise to do such a thing with whom then clotidas with one of your maids of honour the young asinoe is she so very beautiful that he can think none but her worthy of his love he loves her to distraction and entreats you to honour his love with your protection me no no madam i see that this offends you your anger forced me to make use of this subterfuge and to tell you the truth it is you he loves to distraction you are an insolent knave to come thus to sound my feelings out of my sight this moment do you pretend to read people's thoughts and penetrate into the secrets of a princess's heart away with you let me never see your face again clotidas madam come here i forgive you this affair you are too kind madam but on condition mind what i say that you will never mention it to anybody at the peril of your life enough then sostratus told you that he loved me no madam i must now tell you the whole truth i got from him by surprise a secret he intended to conceal from all the world and which he said he would wish to die with him he was in despair when i wrenched it with subtlety from him and far from asking me to tell you of it he entreated me with the most earnest prayers never to reveal anything to you and i have committed a piece of treachery against him by telling you what i have said i am glad of it it is by his respect only that he can please me and if he were bold enough to tell me of his love he would forfeit for ever both my presence and my esteem do not fear madam here he is remember if you are wise what i have forbidden you certainly madam i have no wish to be an indiscreet courtier scene four eriphiel sostratus i have an excuse madam for daring to disturb your solitude i have received from the princess your mother a mission which authorizes the bold step i now take what mission is it sostratus to try to learn from you madam towards which of the two princes your heart inclines the princess my mother shows a judicious spirit in choosing you for such a message this mission is very pleasant to you no doubt sostratus and you must have accepted it with great joy i have accepted it madam because my duty obliges me to obey and if the princess had kindly listened to my excuses she would have appointed another for the task what reason could you have had sostratus for refusing it the fear of not acquitting myself well do you think that i have not enough esteem for you to open my heart to you and say all you wish to know from me about the two princes as far as i am concerned madam i have no desire to know anything i only ask you what you think you can say in answer to the commands which bring me here until now i have had no wish to explain myself and the princess my mother has kindly allowed me to put off the choice which is to bind me but i should be glad to show to every one that i am willing to do something for your sake and if you insist 
i may give you this long-expected verdict i will not importune you madam and urge a princess who knows well what she has to do yet it is what the princess my mother expects from you i told her that i was sure to acquit myself but badly of my message well tell me sostratus you have far-seeing eyes and i believe that there are few things that escape you have you not been able to discover what everybody is anxious to know have you no idea of the inclination of my heart you see all the attentions that are bestowed on me all the homage that is paid to me which of these two princes do you think i look upon with the most favourable eye the conjectures we make upon such matters generally arise from the greater or less interest we take which would you prefer of the two sostratus tell me which one you would have me marry ah, madam your inclination not my wishes must decide the matter but if i wish to consult you in this choice if you were to consult me i should feel very much perplexed you could not tell me which of the two you think most worthy of preference if i were to be judge i should find no one worthy of that honour all the princes of the world would be too mean to aspire to you the gods alone can pretend to you and you would have for men but incense and sacrifice this is very kind and i esteem you my friend but i must have you tell me for which of the two you feel the greatest inclination and which is the one you reckon your friend scene five erophil sostratus Caribus. madam the princess is coming to fetch you to go to the wood of diana sostratus aside alas how seasonably you came in scene six aristione erophil iphicritus timocles Sostratus, Anasarchus, Clitus. You are asked for my daughter, and there are some who are much pained by your absence. I should think, madam, that they only asked after me out of compliment, and that no one is as pained as you say. There are so many entertainments made for your sake that all our time is taken up and we have not a moment to lose if we wish to see them all let us enter the wood at once and see what awaits us there this is the most beautiful place in the world let us take our seats quickly third interlude the stage represents a forest where the princess has been invited to go a nymph does the honors singing and to amuse the princess a small musical comedy is played the subject of which is as follows a shepherd complains to two other shepherds his friends of the coldness of her whom he loves the two friends comfort him at that moment the beloved shepherdess appears and all three retire to observe her after a plaintive love song she reclines on the turf and gives way to sweet slumber the lover makes his two friends approach to contemplate the beauty of his shepherdess and invokes everything to contribute to her rest the shepherdess on waking up sees her swaying at her feet complains of his persecution but taking his constancy into consideration she grants him his wish 
and consents to be loved by him in the presence of his two friends the satyrs arrive upbraid her with her change and distressed by the disgrace into which they have fallen look for comfort in wine clemini filente there was a time i pleased you well content i lived and loved the spell i had not changed for god or throne the sway o'er you i held alone so when by gentle passion swayed you held me dear above all made the regal crown i would have spurned if for me still your heart had burned another's faith hath cured the wound i nursed for you within my breast another's love for me hath found revenge i sought and kindly rest chloris the fair true passion sways for me she pours her soul in sighs and i would gladly close my days if so should bid her beauteous eyes myrtle of youthful hearts the flower he loves me true e'en more than light and i to prove love's mighty power content would pass to endless night but if our passion's gentle ray a lingering spark would kindle anew and from my heart expel to-day chloris the fair thy love to sue though myrtle loves me true though constant heir to sigh still i confess with you i'd gladly live and die midst love then more than, more than ever, ever let us fleet the lingering hours and, and own a bond so sweet ballet divertisement etc end of act two